Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Generation GC podcast. My name is Molly Huddleston, and I am your host. This week, we're going to be talking about something else from Good Morning Revival, Good Charlotte's 2007 fourth album. And my guest this week is Leah Knight. Last week, we talked about We Believe from the Chronicles of Life and Death, and next week, we'll be back with an episode about a song from Cardiology. Leah was born and raised in Texas, and she's been a Good Charlotte fan since 2001. GC is the reason that she took up playing guitar, and she's been playing ever since. Leah is also a full-time mom to a sweet three-year-old girl who is also becoming a GC fan herself, which, by the way, I think is super adorable. You're going to hear a little bit about that in the show. It's great. It's very cute. I love it. And Leah's wish is that the band will continue to tour long enough that she can take her daughter to a show. By the way, y'all, just a friendly reminder, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. If you want Good Charlotte to tour again as much as I do, stay inside as much as you can. And when you do have to go outside, when you have to go to the store, when you have to, I don't know, if you want to get outside and exercise, take a walk or hike where other people are going to be, wear a mask. Wear a mask. There is not really any excuse not to. Um, other notes, I am trying some slightly new things with how I edit the audio, so thank you for sticking with me. Also, as a heads up, I tend to fidget a lot while I record. Uh, I don't always sit super still. I'm like very aware of it now, so maybe I can get better. But just as a heads up, you can hear some of uh, some of the fidgeting going on in this episode. That being said, in the coming episodes, I think the sound is going to start getting a lot better as I'm learning more about things like microphone placement and different techniques to edit. I have not had any training on that, so it's a journey, and thanks for sticking with me. I've mentioned before the petition to demand justice for Breonna Taylor. At the time I'm recording this, it's at 10.7 million signatures, which means it's met the threshold of signatures needed in order to be placed into a queue of issues for the White House and Congress to address. However, it's still important to keep increasing this number of signatures to get this case at the front of the queue, so please sign that petition. I will link it in the show notes. Also, as a reminder, please visit blacklivesmatters.card.co for info on how you can help in the Black Lives Matter anti-police brutality movement. There's information on there on protests, as well as how and where to donate money. If you can't donate money, there are videos to watch and playlists to stream where they will donate the streaming revenue, the ad revenue to the cause. I think that is awesome because, you know, we, we don't always have like a whole lot of money, but it's just great to help in any way you can. There's also going to be info there on how to educate yourself and even more petitions to sign. Finally, Generation GC stickers are here. Do you want a sticker? All right, you've got two options. Number one, support the show on Anchor. You're going to go to anchor.fm slash generationgcpod and click support. Uh, and that just helps me sustain the show and have the right equipment, uh, headphones, microphones, all the extra little doodads that I need. It also helps me do things like print stickers and get them mailed to you guys. And I have some other ideas for little Generation GC giveaways and merch, etc. that I could uh, create for everyone. Number two, you could donate to a charitable organization and just send me a screenshot of that donation. 
This week, uh, as last week, I'm encouraging anyone to donate to their local food bank. A lot of people are still out of work right now, thanks to the pandemic. Uh, and the $600 extra a week that people were getting for unemployment has run out. People in all sorts of industries are without work right now. And people who are maybe working a service industry job where they kind of depended on tips, probably making a lot less in tips right now because a lot of people just tend to tip less when they get a takeout or delivery order versus when they eat in a restaurant. Now, any kind of donation works, whether you want to donate food or money to your local food bank. But I will say that from what I understand, if you donate money to the food bank, that's going to go a lot farther in terms of actually providing food to people than your typical food donation. But anything you do helps. It makes a difference. So you want a sticker, you're going to either support the show on Anchor or make a donation to your local food bank. And then you're going to send me a screenshot of that support or donation, as well as your mailing address. You can DM me on Twitter or Instagram at GenerationGCPodPod or send me an email, GenerationGCPod at gmail.com, and I will make sure you get some stickers. I'll also occasionally tweet or post on the Instagram story about other ways you can get stickers, whether that's other good deeds to do or ways to help spread the word about the show. So make sure you are following and just keeping up with what we post. Sometimes I post other music I'm listening to. Sometimes I just want to know what you guys are up to, what you're into. I think it's fun. I'm definitely more active on Twitter than uh, Instagram, but trying to be more active at least on the Instagram stories. And maybe I will do an Instagram live again. Let me know uh, if you would want to see that. That's about all for the intro. Thanks for tuning in. On to episode 20. So, something else. This song is track 11 on Good Morning Revival. Mm -hmm. Track 10 is Beautiful Place. And then track 12 is Broken Hearts Parade. And so as we're recording this, um, tomorrow we have an episode going up about Keep Your Hands Off My Girl, which is a fantastic song, but it's a very, like, jaded and cynical song and and that kind of jaded and bitter and just very frustrated with the the fakeness is that's yeah. a big theme throughout this album but yeah you have you have two kind of positive songs in a row which is nice yeah you have two positive songs in a row and then it ends with march on which is i think definitely a positive song but oh I, yeah definitely i i was noting noticing that as i was listening to the album in full and I was like wow they you know you have so many songs that are just like this is terrible and everyone sucks and you know and you, you know what's funny leading up to this I um today while I was working I actually um went back because I can't I mean I've listened to the album in full so many times mm-hmm, that I can't same, even count, but same. um I was listening to it today and I was thinking to myself, I was like, I, you know, as many times as I've heard this album, I've never really truly picked up on the anger until today. I was like, like there's so much angst in there and I never realized it. I knew that there was some, especially on like, I mean, young and the hopeless because you know, they were still dealing with their dad and stuff, but But it's like a different anger on this. It is. It's, it's more of like a, an anger towards, it's yeah, it's a yes. jaded. That's like the jaded and cynical. And I think it's like a, I don't know. I think it's like a, well, they've, they've finally reached this point where they've done all this, 
things they were singing about how they wanted to do on the first couple albums, right? Mm -hmm. They've done it and, and they're part of a world that may or may not want them. And they're just trying to figure out where they fit. And it's like really hard and frustrating. Yeah. That's a, I think that's a great way to explain that. Yeah. It's, it's an angry album, but it's a great album. It's definitely. Yeah. It's one of my favorites, but this is a deep cut. I don't believe they've ever played it live. Not a single, no video, but it has really great storytelling and world painting. Like I'm, I'm so clearly imagining in my head, like exact situations that are happening, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. So we are going to dive more into something else, Leah, but first I want to help our guests get to know you and more about your background and your, your love of good Charlotte. Okay. So Leah, can you tell me when did you first hear Good Charlotte and what were your first thoughts on them? I ask everyone, that's like the first question I ask everyone. (laughs) Okay, so the first time I heard Good Charlotte um, was the summer, I'm going to say of 2002. Um, I was 11 going on 12. Okay, so we're about um, the same age. You're a little older than me. Yeah, just I think just a couple years, not by much. Um, Yeah. But um, I would go to visit uh, my dad's side of the family for um, a couple of weeks at a time during the summer. And I remember um, my aunt was taking um, my cousin and I to um, just go grab something for lunch real quick. And my cousin had asked her, and I remember this clearly, she said, can we buy, can we play that new rock CD that you got? And she was like, yeah, sure. And so she popped it in and little things started playing. And I had never heard it, but I loved the sound. And so I was like, huh, this is really cool. And I asked my, my aunt, I said, who is this? She said, this is a band called Good Charlotte. They're fairly new. And I was like, interesting. And so I kind of, you know, that's what we listened to while I was up there. And then whenever I came home, sadly, it kind of, they kind of fell off the radar for me. Like I didn't continue following them until the next school year, which was 2003, which is when I started seventh grade. The That's when the homeless I was out and they were getting a lot of buzz. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's whenever they started kind of really exploding. And that's when I met my friend, Karen, who um, I distinctly remember uh, we shared um, a Texas history class that we had and she came in wearing a good Charlotte shirt. And I asked her, I was like, who, who is that? She goes, that, this is good Charlotte. And I was like, Oh my God. And so we I love talking. that we started talking and I mean, we just bonded over it and she reintroduced me to them. And, you know, we blasted um, the you know first two albums together and basically from like seventh grade all the way to, you know, the high school, we were our own little Benji and Joel duo because, you know, we were that. the only two people that we knew that liked Good Charlotte. And in fact, we went to our first Good Charlotte concert together. I love that. So I do want to hear more about that first concert, but I'm curious, like what kind of music did people at your school listen to? Cause I, you know, like I said, we're kind of about the same age. I came from New Jersey, you know, you're from Texas and in like sixth, seventh grade, like middle school. I mean, people listened to good Charlotte, but even then it was kind of like, uh, good Charlotte's not cool. And you would have this weird split between people who liked, you know, 
real punk and real rock, whatever that is to like seventh graders and people who, you know, listen to rap or they listen to pop or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, I, I mean, I remember that being very prevalent in my middle school um, mm-hmm. because we, you know, we're, I don't want to necessarily say that we were outcasted because we listened to them, but we were known as the girls that liked Good Charlotte, which was kind of like a weird label to have, but I didn't mind. Yeah. I was like, I love them. I'm not ashamed of it. Um, but the kids at my school, because being in Texas, and this is going to sound incredibly cliche, was Texas country. It was a big thing. And then, of course, you had your, you know, hip hop group. But I remember Texas country being very, like, just the major genre that came out of middle school for, for my knowledge. So was it like people would, would people be listening to like specifically country acts that were also from Texas or like any country music was popular? Any country music was popular. Um, I think, and I can never really understood why they classified it as Texas country and then just your regular country. I mean, to me, it sounds exactly the same, but I'm not, (laughs) fluent in country music so I I mean someone might sit me down and say this is Texas country this is regular yeah. country oh I can tell the difference I I, there, I I know a small number of country artists you know again I I'm from New Jersey right country mm-hmm. is not that huge here I've been to a few country shows and I've always had a great time but I've always been curious about that side of the industry just because I know that you know, different kind of sects of the music industry sometimes do operate very differently. Mm-hmm. You know, the way that a a rock publicist works versus how an EDM publicist or a country publicist, I mean, the way that they do their jobs is not going to be identical. So, and I've always been right. curious about country because it, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I feel like country not so much good Charlotte, but country and like the wonder Years style pop punk actually kind of have a lot in common in, in yeah. terms of the like loving your hometown and you know, this kind of like naive outlook on romance. I, I don't know. I, I could, I could like do a whole essay or a whole podcast comparing, you know, pop punk bands to country artists. I think that, and I think that's a, great comparison because I I mean I never really sat down and compared the two but sitting here thinking about you know the bands that I know that are pop punk versus the country music that I know I can definitely see the similarities in that right and you know there's the storytelling and the you know some certain stereotypes but I, I I I argue that there's a lot of similarities yeah for sure so Leah Talk to me about this first Good Charlotte concert that you went to. What what oh, uh, tour was it? Oh, it was the Young and the Hopeless tour. Okay. Um, I I actually asked Karen um, yesterday if she remembered who the opening act was because I think it was either Eve Six or Goldfinger. I can't remember who it was, but because I, I didn't remember, I don't remember a whole lot of their set because I mean, to be completely honest. I was, I was there for I was there for Good Charlotte. I didn't really pay attention. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was me, uh, my friend Karen, and another friend of ours, Emily, who um, she she liked Good Charlotte, but not as much as Karen and I, but she wanted to tag along. So um, the three yeah, of us. Why not? And, yeah. And the three of us went and my mom um, took us because, believe it or not, when I got into Good Charlotte, I showed my mom Good Charlotte and she fell in love too. 
So whenever she found out that they that. were, yeah, she loves them to this day too. Oh and, my God. Um, so when I told her I was doing this, she got super excited and she was like, do they have new music out? And so I got to sit down and show her all the stuff that they put out. Cause she, you know, she's older. She hasn't kept up with a whole lot of stuff. Sure, yeah. That was fun. Um, but we went with my mom. It was the Young and the Hopeless tour. Um, and um, they were playing at, um, at the time, it was Nokia Theater at Grand Prairie, which is now known as Verizon. Okay. Um, and it was, truthfully, that was my very first concert ever. I had wow. never gone to a concert before that. So for that to be my first, like I could not have asked for a better show because they were great. And I was actually talking to Karen about this the other day because, you know, I was telling her I was doing this and we were laughing about it because we both have this memory during, so where we were standing, we were not, you know, close to the pit because we were young. We didn't need to be close to the pit at the time. I was Um, like scared of Moshpits when I was that age. I mean, I wasn't scared. (laughs) I was so scared. (laughs) I think I just had like this, I like, I didn't want to be. Uh, I don't know. I just didn't want to be overwhelmed by the amount of people. Fair, yeah. yeah. Um, but we, so where we were standing, there was this railing that like we were leaning on and like, you know, kind of dancing on or whatever. And during Lifestyles of the Rich and the Famous, um, we all got the great idea that during the um, pre, uh, pre-course, whenever it says they would fall, we would oh, lean no. over the rail and pretend to fall. Oh, no. <laughs> And we did it so many times that we actually got Benji's attention because he pointed and <laughs> laughed at us. <laughs> but like, so probably, probably so- you thought that was the greatest thing ever. Like, oh my God, Benji noticed us. <laughs> no, it was hilarious because like, we didn't even know he saw us until like the last one when we flipped it back up and we all three looked at him and we just started laughing because he was pointing at us and he was oh, laughing while he was trying to play. God. And I was like, that is awesome. Oh my God. That was the best. I, that memory, and then there, the other memory that I have of that concert was, um, I don't remember what song they were getting ready to play, but Benji was going on a tyrant about um, <laughs> how, something about love. He was like, said something along the lines of like, you women don't know what love is, blah, 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 blah. He was just being, you know, he was just being a butt. And the three of us literally at the same time yelled, we love you, Benji. And of he course. goes, okay. And then he goes, okay, maybe you do. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I know. It's, it's hilarious to sit and think back on, but that was truly one of my favorites. And then um, we saw them again whenever it was um, the Chronicles of Life and Death tour. And um, I remember having a slight panic attack on that one because Joel ran into the crowd and I was maybe 10 feet from him. And I literally, like, yeah, I I had a panic attack. I had to like I was running toward him to help carry him through the crowd, and when I got about ten feet away from him, I ran back away because I was oh like, god. I can't do this. Oh my god! But you survived. I survived. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. <laughs> so, Leah, you're you're telling me when we were messaging before the show, you were telling me that you have been playing guitar for a long time. So that is right. What inspired you to pick it up? So when I got into Good Charlotte and really kind of started um, learning more, not just about their music, but about the, you know, guys themselves as individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I learned, which I, I think is still true, maybe uh, at the time, that's this is what I found out. But I found out that Benji was 
self-taught and yep, in yep. guitar. He, he taught himself how to play. And that to me was like, you know what? I want to do that because it would be so fun. It would just be fun to have something like that do and then play along with them and play loud. And, you know, of course I had dreams of playing with them, but oh, yeah. obviously that hasn't happened. <laughs> you never know. I mean, I, I've, I've heard of like Green Day and Blink-182 inviting, you know, people up on stage to jam with them. So you never That's know. That's what I'm saying. Stranger things have happened. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was really getting into their music that, I decided that I really wanted to pick a uh, pick guitar up and play with them and learn how to play. And to this day, that's I mean, here lately now that I'm older and have a you know a three year old daughter, I don't have a whole lot of time. During sure, quarantine, yeah. I have picked it back up, but um, not as much as I would like to. So yeah, um, maybe one of these days when she gets older, I can teach her how to play and we can you know play together and yeah. then I'll get more time to practice and stuff. Quarantine has been interesting because on the one hand, I feel like I have all this time, but Mm -hmm. I also like, I mean, I started this podcast, you know, during quarantine when we had like just went into full lockdown in New Jersey, but at the same time, like I'm still working 40 hours a week, you know, I still try to try to take care of myself and, and such. So like, I mean, I guess the difference being that, you know, without any options for like much social interactions, like you kind of have more time. <laughs> yeah. Um, so are you, are you playing with bands at all, Leah, or are you just kind of jamming out at home? No, I just kind of jam out. Um, yeah. I never really, I did for a long time um, play with my uh, church band, the church that I grew okay. up go, uh, um, go, went to growing up. I played, uh, you know, Sunday mornings and, um, Wednesday evenings whenever we would do like Bible study and stuff. I did play uh, quite a few times for that. Um, but that's about as far as it went. Um, I just mostly enjoy playing for myself. I find it very cathartic. It's very relaxing, yeah. um, especially now during, you know, being older and having a lot more stress and responsibilities and stuff like just to be able to sit down and pull out either my acoustic or if nobody's home, like my husband's out and, kids at school or something I might pull up the electric and turn it up really loud like it just I just feel so much better I love that it's I I have barely touched my guitar in a long time but it is really cathartic to just kind of rock out and just like get everything out there get that frustration out yes yeah are you are you like writing your own songs or mostly doing covers I mostly just do covers Mm -hmm. I have attempted at writing songs I was not well, I was going to say, I was not gifted with the writing ability. Yeah. My older sister can write like nobody's business. She is one of the most detailed people I've ever met in her writing. I don't have that. I just have the playing. So she actually not long ago came up with the idea of writing a song and then me putting the music to it. So we're kind of working on that. But oh, that's fun. Like a, a very, very side project. Like we talked about it maybe two months ago and <laughs> Yeah. And she, as far as I know, she's still writing what she wants it to be about. So I've, I mean, I've always been good at like the words and, you know, I I put out a book last year that was a mix of like essays and poems. So like Mm -hmm. the words of song lyrics, I mean, I've, I've written lyrics to a handful of songs over the years, but it's the, the actual playing and like the, the writing of the actual music part that has always kind of tripped me up. Like I felt like I've never had a grasp on that. Yeah, that is, uh, that's one skill that I just have not 
figured out. So, I mean, it's writing is so hard because for me too, I have all of these, you know, emotions that I feel I want to get out, but I don't know how to put them in words. Like it all just yeah. ends up as scribble on a paper. So I don't get anywhere. Yeah. It's, it's tough. And it's, you know, it's weird that like when I put this book out last year, I remember talking about it with some friends, like after I had just announced the book and we were kind of celebrating and they were like, Oh, you know, do you have anything about work tour? And do you have anything about major league and, and mentioning things? And I was like, you know, like those are all like, I have so many significant experiences in my life that I talk about in my book, mm-hmm. but there's also so much that I don't or that I didn't in that book. And it's weird because I'm like, well, did I did I express everything I wanted to say? And that's what that I was going to be so. my question. Like, do you like look back on it and go, man, I wish I would have added this, or I can't believe I forgot about that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's I. I so the book is called "I Told You I Hated New York." Um, it it told. I think ultimately, yeah, it did tell the story it, I wanted it to tell. But it was kind mm-hmm. of weird that I'm like, oh, there there are other things I totally could have like added, right? Yeah. But. I also wanted, you know, it's like an anthology and I wanted the the same thing as like bands putting together an album, right? Like you could have all these great songs that you write, but if they don't quite fit that album, maybe you don't put it on the album. Right. Yeah. So Leah, I have to ask you, what's your favorite Good Charlotte song to play on guitar? Oh, golly. I was really I had to know it was coming. I, I no, I did. I I knew it was coming, so I was really sitting sitting down and thinking back to um, like what was my top one that I really loved. So there's a few that tie for first. So I'll just name the my favorite few just okay. right off the bat. So my one of my favorite ones to play, even though and it's really funny because. I love to play it when like we're sitting outside with our neighbors and it's like we have a fire pit going and we're just we're talking and relaxing and whatnot. I will get out the guitar and <laughs> I will play, even though it is probably a very dark song to play, I will play The Day That I Die. You know, I, I could see that because I could see that being like a good kind of campfire type song. And it's, it's fun. Even though it's incredibly dark. It's, it's very dark. The lyrics are very dark. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. But it's fun too, because my husband, um, who he loves good Charlotte too, not as much as me, but he likes them. Um, he knows the song. So we'll kind of trade off as to who does what vocal, like I'll oh, do fun, Benji's fun. lead and he'll do Joel's, you know, backing or I'll do Joel's backing. He'll do Benji's lead just depending on kind of how we start. So that's fun to do. Um, so I like doing that one. Uh, the other one that I um, really enjoy playing because it helps me on days whenever I'm feeling just incredibly run down, mm-hmm. uh, motivation proclamation. Great one. That is probably one of my all-time favorites to play. It's a little bit challenging. Benji solo is very challenging in that, and even to this day, I still struggle with it. But um, I, you know, it's it's close to being perfected. Um, and the top two, I think that tie for first. Um, dance floor anthem. Oh, okay. Fun to play. Da- well, top three for first. Sorry, dance floor anthem. Misery is a lot of fun to play, but my all-time favorite one that I love to play. All-time favorite one, the click. Oh, okay, okay, okay. The click is 
fun to play because of the way that you have to, you know, play the the strings against the fret. You have to slide it down the net. Oh my gosh, oh my it's gosh. so fun. Whenever <laughs> I learned how to play that, I was ecstatic. And that was all I played for like months. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. I could do you're definitely a more advanced guitar player than I have ever been, by the way. I, I could do seasons, which is like, oh, yeah, seasons. Mm-hmm. it's pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like playing that one. So Leah, I just have one more question before we dive into something else. Mm-hmm. But I know that you were, you have a young daughter and you were telling me she is becoming a good Charlotte fan herself. So mm-hmm. does she have a favorite good Charlotte song? Um, not yet. She's very good about trying to mouth, um, mouth words and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's three. So her speech is still developing. She's, you know, she speaks really well, but she's still, as far as music and stuff goes, she's still learning. Um, one that she, for some reason has, um, kind of really taken a a grip to a liking to, and it was just playing while I was driving her um, home from school one day, we were on our way home. And it would say anything. And Ooh, I was just, okay. you know, yeah, I was just kind of like, you know, sitting there singing and, you know, thinking back and whatnot. And I look in the in the rearview mirror and I see her just kind of like bobbing her head. And so when the song ended, she said, Mommy, can we play that again? And I was like, sure. So we started oh. it over and she like we probably played it like maybe 15 times in a row, which I don't care. That's fine with me. Yeah. And by the time we were, you know, close to being home and it was maybe like the 15th time that we had played it, she was trying to sing the words. So for whatever reason, that that one caught on to her. So I'm just hoping that she continues to, you know, develop in that. And I I continue to play Good Charlotte in the car. So she's always around it. Love it. I love that. Leah, so you had reached out to me on Twitter, I think back in May, just telling me, you know, about your history with Good Charlotte and all, which dates back, you know, as you were saying, quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And you gave me a handful of songs that meant a lot to you, one of them being something else. So Mm -hmm. what sticks out to you about something else? What made you want to talk about this song? So this song to me um, has always kind of had a personal uh meaning um and i say that because um but to take the lyrics in their literal term like joel speaking about you know how he came from nowhere and the girl that he's either with or talking to um you know has been to rome basically all over the world yeah um to me that's a very personal experience because I, you know, grew up in, um, I mean, I don't want to call it a little town, but it's definitely not, it was definitely not as big as it is today. Um, but when I uh, met my husband, he, um, he grew up in a bigger town in Texas that everybody knows. And Mm -hmm. so that song to me has always kind of been like, you know, it's funny because he had, he grew up in a area that's like pretty well known and well off and stuff. Here I am in this little tiny town, never gone anywhere, have never gone outside of the country. He's been on cruises wow. and, you know, my dad, um, 
my dad, I love my dad. He's a hard worker. He's a contractor. So he does the hard labor, you know, physical labor for a living. His dad was always in finances. So his dad, you know, was in corporate world and stuff. So I, to me, that song has always had just almost like a personal storytelling mm-hmm. of the differences between us, but also how, you know, like him, for example, especially now that we have our daughter, um, he has asked my dad several times to show him how to do things oh. on his own because he never had that. Every time they had to fix something, you know, they would call someone to come do it, whereas my dad knows how to do it. So he's asked my dad, you know, can you show me how to do this? So, and I'm over here, you know, just kind of like, I wonder what it's like to, you know, travel here and, you know, because he's been there and I haven't. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's always just had a very personal meaning to me just because of how different we grew up and how we both wanted to experience things differently. We both really wanted something else for ourselves. He wanted more, you know, um, humble, um, just, and, and humble is not the right word, but I mean, he wanted to learn more and how to do more for himself and on his own. And I wanted to, you know, kind of just explore different things, see different things. And the one line in that song that really hits personal for me is um, when he says, um, she dra- when, when Joel says, she dragged me to uh, parties where people ask me where I went to college when she knows damn well I barely finished school. school. Mm-hmm. That's very personal because when we first met and, you know, I told him, so I graduated high school early just because I had finished my credits somehow, but I barely, barely made it onto graduation wow. because I could not pass our math uh, test assessment. I, I suck at math still do to this day. Um, so I could not pass that until I finally did. And I finally got to graduate. And from then I decided to just kind of go into the, you know, working world and start working my way up. Cause I just knew school wasn't for me. Whereas he went to school. So whenever we first started dating and I met his family, his, you know, right off the bat, I got questions about, you know, Oh, did you go to college? What college did you go to? And I'm just looking at him like, you know, I barely graduated high school. Here's all these people you just met asking, asking these questions that like, to them are, are innocent questions and, and normal, typical questions. Right. But that, you know, might inadvertently hit on, you know, a, a soft spot. Right. Yeah. I, I think, Leah, hearing your story about, you know, meeting your husband and all was really fun for me because I I think it, first of all, in terms of relating to this song, I think it it shows just how great the storytelling on this song is and, and the sort of world painting, as I was saying, that you, even if, you know, your life and experiences don't line up with exactly how it's played in the song, it, it lines up a lot and there's a lot that you can pull from and that you can relate to. Right. So let, let's talk about what what the song means. And I think I would love to hear your perspective on like, what do you think the band was specifically trying to get at with this song? Well, I kind of, I mean, going back and listening to it after, um, you know, talking to you a little bit about it. I, I really, 
So I have a tendency to um, relate songs, like listen to songs and listen to words and somehow make them relate to what I'm going through. Sure, yeah. That's just how I process music. I've always said that music helps me heal during Mm -hmm. my frustration. And if Mm -hmm. I'm angry, if I'm sad, I will put on a song that relates to the mood that I'm in. And even though it might make me worse for a little bit, I always feel better afterwards. So, um, but listening back to it, I really have to agree with the fact that it sounds to me like they're saying, you know, the grass is always greener over there or it seems greener anyway. Like they, they have all these nice things. I don't. So, you know, I want what they have, but who knows? They maybe want what I have. Maybe they don't want all those things. Yeah. I, I think that grass is always greener and that's something I had, you know, put in my notes, but that, that feeling of a grass is always greener is something I, I really got. I don't know, because I feel like this song, on the one hand, it's about, in some way, opposites attract, because he's talking about dating someone that's on the surface very different from him, which, you know, in in reality is the type of people that, you know, Benji and Joel, I mean, they're both now married to, you know, famous, blonde, you know, gorgeous and and talented women. But women who, like, if you look at them on the outside are super different from them right and we come from very different backgrounds so it's like it's that opposites attract thing but also that kind of grass is always greener thing you know yeah I think let's let's dive into that just the idea of grass is always greener because I think I don't know I I think what people so my degree is in psychology I have a bachelor's in psychology, so I'm not like, and I'm not like an expert, you know, I have a bachelor's in psych, graduated like several years ago, you know, I, I don't have any professional degrees, right? I don't work in psychology, but I, I find it interesting. So I, I think about psychology stuff a lot. And I think that, you know, the type of things people look for tend to be the ones they're missing. Yeah. It, And in the case of, you know, if you grew up without a lot of money, I think that's like an obvious one, right? Of Like, okay, if you grew grew up and you didn't have a lot of money, probably, maybe not probably, but if you grew up and you didn't have a lot of money, you know, you might be very motivated to go into a career where you're going to be set financially. Right. Yes, absolutely. But if you come from the, you know... Upper class, you might be striving harder for wanting to build a family, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think something I've been thinking about with regards to this whole, like, you know, the idea of the grass is always greener is that, like, you kind of, I, I feel like it's a tug of war almost between wanting to improve yourself and and change a situation that you don't like Mm -hmm. but also trying to like have self-love and kind of like accepting who you are and where you are have you ever felt that I I have and that's something that I actually wrote down also oh um, really um, yeah because I I sat down last night and um just kind of typed out that you know the things that I kind of felt about the song and one of the things that I put to um was that 
it looks, even though it looks like sometimes something might be better somewhere else, deep down, you're always going to want something, you know, something else even more. So you're going to be, to me, it it almost has a message of, yes, we all want something else, but you know, what's going to happen is you're going to end up chasing circles for something that is either right in front of you or you'll never have. Yeah. I, I mean, something that I just find is a great example to share in, in terms of that is like, you know, so I've, I've been working full-time in music for a couple of years now. I have a, a marketing role um, in video promotion, which is a really cool niche that a lot of people don't even know like exists, but oh, that's cool. yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, but a couple of years back, I had a job offer to work as a booking agent assistant and it would have been really, really cool. And it would have been like an amazing opportunity in a lot of ways. But I turned it down because like in my gut, I was just like, it's not right. You know? Yeah. And I think now and I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> now, <laughs> with the current situation, I'm like, wow, I'm really glad I didn't jump on that. I was going to say, yeah, you that's, know? And, that's and, definitely one of those things. Yeah. And I think about, you know, the the company that I won't name, but the company that like when I was 18, this was like my dream beyond dream to work for this company. turns out they are not, not a great place to work. And, and I'm glad that that didn't work out either, you know? Yeah. But it's like at the same time, you know, yeah, I I have a job that I like, but I want to, you know, I want to move up in the company, but I also want to do a good job at, at where, I am. And I will admit that's like kind of one of my fatal flaws is like, sometimes I get so excited about the idea of like moving up or advancing that it's like a really, really conscious thing for me to focus on where I am right here, right now. And, but I, I, you know, instead of getting caught up in like the big picture. Yeah. And I mean, that's, I think that that's something that I probably, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would yeah. say that was probably a fatal flaw of mine too, because I was in a similar situation not long ago, and uh, I, you know, I was working for a company for six years, and then I got offered a position that allowed me to move up and I could advance my skills. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, it, it ended up not being what I thought it was going to be. So I, for the for the amount of time that I was there in that position up until the point when I left and I'm at the job I'm at now. Uh, I remember sitting there thinking, golly, I should have just stayed where I was at because I liked what I did, but I was so excited about that. The prospect of moving up and learning more that I didn't, you know, I just jumped on it because I thought it was the best thing to do. And lo and behold, it definitely was not. So it's hard. And I, I mean, I will say that like doing, and you know, before we did this after work, I, you know, I journaled and I did yoga and, and both of those, especially doing yoga, you know, pretty much every day have really helped me like focus on like the mindfulness and like, what am I feeling right here right now? But it's, it's still, you know, and I think especially, and I think it's a good thing that women are often like encouraged to jump on opportunities, right? Yeah. But, but sometimes, yeah, you know, sometimes, and it doesn't mean it was a mistake. If something doesn't work out, it doesn't mean it was a mistake. 
it's a learning experience. It's a learning what experience. What I like to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Leah, one other thing I want to talk about is the idea of opposites attract. So, mm-hmm. before we dive into this more, do you believe that opposites attract? Like, in terms of, you know, dating and love, do you believe that opposites attract? I believe they do in certain instances. It, it has to be, and I know that's very, I don't know, just weird to say, but mm-hmm. I feel like. I feel like, yes, they do, but it depends on what the attraction is. You know what I mean? Like whether the attraction is like someone's like, like sexually attracted to someone versus they feel like an actual bond. No, I mean, in a sense that like, um, maybe for instance, we have, um, a friend of ours who lives down the street from us. Um, he is very conservative. Okay. She is very liberal. Okay. They like, they make such a cute couple. And I'm like, that's crazy to me because you guys are on complete opposites of the spectrum yet, you know, like that, if you want to talk about opposites attract, like that's what I'm, that's what it is to me. Like, yeah they find other things that they find attractive in each other, even though they had that one major difference. Yeah. I, you know, I like most of the guys I've dated and certainly, you know, the people I've like had the, the strongest feelings for and such, right. Have been relatively similar to me in, in just in, in like the surface level things and like, Oh, you know, he also works in music and, you know, likes this random TV show. Like people that on the surface, I think anyone that knew me would be like, Oh yeah, of course, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I've always joked that like probably the guy I end up marrying will be like, a Guido from Staten Island who <laughs> works in finance or oh like a lax bro, a lacrosse player who, you know, is really involved in his fraternity's alumni. It's like someone who, who has these like super different things from me. And oh I, my God. Like, that's funny. I, I say it as a joke, but I, I feel like you can. And I think, you know, Without, and I don't know Nicole Richie or Cameron Diaz, and I don't know Benji or Joel Madden personally, right? But without knowing any of them personally, I I feel like that's an example of probably two people who maybe came from very different backgrounds, but who shared core values and like shared, shared what they wanted. And that's why, like, I, I I feel like Tinder and such have made that kind of hard because like I, you know, I was on Tinder earlier today and I was like, you know, and I'm like, okay, like maybe that's someone I could be into, but like, mm, he looks like he plays the cross and he's like a Guido, you know, <laughs> like what, and it's like, what, what matters? What, what doesn't, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 I think finding the right person is clearly a learning process. I'm, I'm it, still working yeah. on, but yeah, and it definitely is because, um, you know, and unfortunately sometimes you learn the hard way that, yep. you know, even though, cause like 
we have a friend of ours that we love dearly. He got married um, about five years ago and uh, they had a kid and then like two years later, they're divorced. Oh, geez. And it's because when it came to parenting, they had two totally different styles where she wanted things, you know, to be done a certain way and he wanted to help. But like, because he didn't do them the exact way that she wanted them to, she wouldn't let him do it. So, and that's like a thing you don't necessarily pick up on in, you know, when you're just dating someone, right? Like you you probably don't even realize it till you're in that experience where you are parenting with someone. Right. So Leah, do you have any like specific memories or stories that you want to share about something else? Um, I mean, I have, you know, just when it comes to memories of Good Charlotte, I just have, oh, you know what I did want to tell you? And I wish so bad I had a picture of it somewhere. I know I sent you a picture of me holding my guitar when I was 13. Yeah, 13. That's whenever I really started playing. I wish I had a picture of it. But when I really got in to get Charlotte and then really started learning about all of the bands within that punk pop punk genre, you know, mess, simple plan. Mess. MXPX. My first, oh my God. I love my first mess. mosh pit was at a mess show. Tony Lovato will always be oh. just a heartthrob for me. That dude, like he, he did it for me when I was 13 and he still does it for me now. <laughs> yeah. I was 14 when I saw them on their farewell tour and like my dad had dropped off me and my friends, but then he like came back and I guess he like got a ticket. Like someone like gave him a ticket. So he like ended up being there just for mess set. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And, and Tony was not wearing a shirt. So like 14 year old me is like in the mosh pit for the first time and is like freaking out. Like great time. (laughs) Someone's like yanking on my ponytail and someone falls on my head and I'm like, fuck yeah. And, you know, Tony Lovato being Tony Lovato in, in 2006 is, like, talking about drinking and having fun and such. And then right. on, on the whole drive home, my dad is just, like, that guy, looking at that guy and, like, he, you know, how he looks. Because he was, he had a decent looking body, right? My mm-hmm. dad's, like, you know, looking at that guy he does not drink nearly as much as he says he does. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. That's awesome though, that your dad got a ticket oh, yeah. and went and experienced that with you. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. So that is, <laughs> as you mentioned, mess that was, I had to give my little mess story there. Oh my, a mess will always have a special place in my heart. Always. Oh yes. um, but whenever I really got into, you know, that pop punk genre, um, my, and Karen actually, um, and if Karen, if you listen to this and just can tell you, you were my inspiration. I think you know that, um, she had like, oh, I admired her room so much. Every like magazine clip. Oh yes. Yeah, that was me. That was me too. Yep. And so I started doing that in my room. So my yep. room was lime green and there was not a single space of wall yep. that you could see that yep. was green because it was just yep. covered with good Charlotte stuff. Oh yeah. And I wish so bad looking back on it that I would have just taken pictures of my room because that yeah. was like a favorite time for me. But I, um, I took pictures of my room and like, I know there's a set of pictures that I took when I was like 15, but 
I wish I had taken, I mean, but I like, I filled up my room when I was like 15 or something. And I think by that point, I didn't add too much after because literally every service was filled up, but I do wish I had taken pictures like right before I, I took all the stuff down and moved out. Yeah. That's one thing that I, that, I mean, I don't necessarily regret doing. I just wish I would have yeah. done it with taking pictures of that because that, I mean, I, that's such a fond memory growing up and having that all throughout middle school and high school. And uh, I just, I miss it. So, yeah. I I have, you know, several posters hung up now and a couple of flags and then like my living room and office area are mostly like photos that I've taken and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Leah, we have two fan made videos. Did you get to watch these? I, I pulled them up. I know um, I've seen one of them. And it's just like a compilation of their shows, right? Yeah. Well, there's, so we have two fan videos that are very different. One is from, cause I am bored on YouTube and listeners, I'll put both of these in the show notes. I always put like a ton of info in the show notes. Um, user, cause I am bored did one that like they cut together shots of like good Charlotte shows and performances with like, like the most stereotypical rich, famous celebutant girl shots so (laughs) kind of you know trying to show i guess sort of the vibe of this song but it's a fan-made kind of collage montage so that one's fun and then the other one by chianto's 37 it's like a lyric video Mm -hmm. but done as like a very literal slideshow like showing pictures that relate to each line of the lyrics. <laughs> oh my gosh. I had to sit and watch that one. Yeah. That one's really good. And I just had to know, um, we all, I think it's the chorus when they say we all want something we can't have. Mm-hmm. They show a picture of George Bush and like an oil rig. Oh, I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> what a little, I mean, true, but like, what a little minor, like, the whole oh, thing, wow. like, this, this, this video is just very, like, uh, you know, someone got it's bored literal, and, and, like, and very, like, literal, it's, it's pretty funny, right? <laughs> There's that, like, oh, my surprise political discourse, um, but it, it, it's something that, like, you know, it's the kind of thing that, like, when I, if I was the age when this album came out, that's like exactly the type of thing. Oh yeah. That sure, I would have made sure. when I was like 16 or something. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about some press about this song and, you know, being a, it, it's, it's always interesting when I'm like reading up on, you know, the songs, because obviously the, the hit singles and the fan favorites are going to have tons of, interviews that ask about them and reviews that mention them but mm-hmm. there's always like a couple for the deep cuts too so rock sound had a great article where they talked about good charlotte's hidden gems mm-hmm. which is great because the whole premise of this article was like some underappreciated good charlotte songs and i'm like yes thank you rock sound which and they have so many yeah And this album and Cardiology being two great examples of of albums that have like so many just there's so many like songs hidden on Cardiology. 
yeah and, and this album and cardiology just having so many incredible songs that like never got you know the the i think love and recognition but yeah absolutely rock sound said about something else oh good morning revival you were wonderful this slab of perfectly simmering storytelling was just one reason why good charlotte's fourth album was so great that's i mean i agree with that 100 percent. that yeah that's perfectly stated yeah oh that's great um pop matters called it oddly charming so pop matters wrote a review that was not super positive overall like not very positive at all uh but they did say that buried late in the album long after we've given up hope lies the oddly charming something else a little tune that nicely mimics the ebullient pop of fountains of wayne from the call and response vocals to the undulating move synth hmm. so i can see the fountains of wayne similarity yeah so like i read this review and like i'm you know as I get ready for the show, like I, I'm just kind of like listening to the album and just kind of like Googling and like pulling quotes. Right. And mm-hmm. I read this and I'm like, well, like I have to like put this in my notes because that's really interesting. And that's not something I would have thought of. Yeah. Now that I'm like seeing it and I've spent a little time, like thinking about the song, like really detailed, I'm like, I guess I could kind of see it, but I honestly like, really don't know fountains of wayne very much beyond stacy's mom yeah I, that's fair because I, I don't either um but maybe maybe i need to go listen to some more fountains of wayne now I, yeah i was gonna say that's gonna be one that i'm gonna have to look up to. yeah so listeners please tell me your favorite fountains of wayne song that's not stacy's mom because we know that one <laughs> i I also, you know, as they talk about the call and response vocals, I, I, Leah, I cannot be the only person who's thought of this, but like, I would love to see this as a duet with like a male and female vocal, because I feel like this song would take so well to that, like storytelling and the back and forth. And maybe it's, you know, something that's set as a part of a musical or, or maybe it's, you know, in a video or there's a performance, but I feel like this would go really well as a duet. And what's funny that you say that, um, because I have always envisioned it being sung as a duet because right? just like right? you said, because of the different storytelling, but on the flip side of that too, whenever I would listen to the song, I would actually change the pronouns in the song. I for love me that. To kind yeah. of relate to, you know, my, my husband and I, you know, He's a diamond. I'm a stone. Right. I come from nowhere. He's been to Rome. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. One <laughs> review. So, you know, obviously I, I pull a lot of reviews and content from kind of the major music websites as I find them. But I have found it really interesting to seeing like, the sort of fringe websites, whether that's the more fan-based sites or, you know, user-based reviews, or whether it's something that's like a real real niche kind of website. But uh, I found one called Plugged In, which is a publication by Focus on the Family, which is a Christian, very, uh, at least socially conservative uh, organization. Um, and they will like review 
media and basically say like, is this, you know, acceptable? Is it, uh, you know, in line with, I guess, what Christian beliefs are, but I, I, they had a really interesting review on this album and they had divided it into pro social content. Like what's, what's good, you know, what, what is in line with, I guess, you know, certain beliefs and then objectionable content, which is, you know, blas blasphemous material. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually had quite a lot of good things to say about the themes of this album. And, and, you know, Veg Angel are, christian they're they believe in god Mm -hmm. they you know they're religious guys but um they said about this song they said that something else suggests that people from vastly different backgrounds can still share love and that contentment is the true somewhat elusive prize which is like a great statement and i think that's that's such a, a great you know even if we take away the the obviously very religious you know slant of that website I remember many years ago reading an interview with someone from Simple Plan, actually, and they all talked about how success is when you're happy, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I I think that points to kind of this song, too, right? Like, not that you're ever going to stop wondering what else might be out there, but that you're going to you're going to be able to feel happy with where you are. Yeah. I yeah. I would think that's a great way to, to explain that. Some food for thought, uh, on a very different angle. So there was an angle and I, I don't want this show to be a gossip show. It's not, that's not what it's about, but <laughs> there was an article on citypages.com that compared Good Morning Revival with Hillary Duff's album Dignity that came out around the same time, both not long after Joel and Hillary had broken up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, 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 it was the kind of thing that I was like, oh, it's kind of interesting to read, but like, I don't know. There, it, it doesn't really feel fair to like speculate about someone's relationship. So I'm not going to like read from that article, uh, but yeah, it, 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 I don't know. It's, you know, being a writer, obviously I, I love digging into songs and what they're about and what, what might the story be, but that, uh, <laughs> I don't know that, that whole article felt very, to me felt very like, trying to pull you know pull answers and, and make sense out of something that you you might not have kind of like trying to pull something out of nothing basically yeah 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 exactly. yeah because i i never because reading you know I, I did look up some of these articles that you sent me and that mm-hmm. was one that i read and as i was reading it i was like i do not understand how they can sit there and say, you know, write this stuff out because that I, I do not get any of that from that song at all, but it also could be because I'm interpreting it differently. Everybody interprets. Sure. Yeah. I think there's also, I don't know, like I've not really being a songwriter, but having written poetry and having written a lot about my feelings, you know, in this, Mm -hmm. like in this book that I just put out and, I don't know. I, I think 
at least in my experiences, like I've, I've written plenty of things. You know, I, I, I here, here's an example is like, I wrote a poem and this was a title of my book called, I told you I hated New York. Right. And mm-hmm. that poem encapsulates how I felt at a very specific moment in time. Right. And like the, the way that I feel now is not necessarily how I felt in November 2018 when I wrote that poem. But someone sees that out in the world and they may, you know, they, they probably assume that like, oh, you know, she published this poem, so she still feels this way, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Or, oh, she published this poem, so that's it. There's no more nuance. Right. And, you know, no, no, no. There's a lot of nuance to me telling someone that I hated New York. Right. And, and all the feelings that came after that, there, there's a lot of nuance there. Right. But that might not be obvious to the listener, even if that listener were to pour over every other poem in that book, you know? Yeah. So I, I don't know. I <laughs> look, that article exists. If anyone listening wants to find it, you know, go ahead. But we're, we're not going to do a, a piece by piece analysis <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, you know, the band members versus their exes. Right. Leah, this has been really fun. I've enjoyed this. This is really, yeah, I love this. This has been really cool. So Good Morning Revival is 13 years old now, which Golly. is. Yeah. 13 <laughs> years old. So old. 13 years old. Like ridiculous. I was I was 12. I was going on 12 yeah. when I first heard about them, and I'll be 30 this year. Yeah, I was 11, almost 12, when I first heard about them, and I'll be 29 in August. Oh, man. So, like, <laughs> both both of us have, have listened to Good Charlotte for well over half our lives. I was going to say well over half our yeah. lives. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Leah... How has this song specifically held up for you over time? I mean, you've, you've talked about a lot about how, you know, this relates to a lot of how you feel with your husband, but how, I guess maybe I'll flip that question, but like, how did you feel about this song when the album first came out before you, you had met your husband? So, so when the album, cause it came out in 2007. So when it first came out, it was just, it was a song that to me just, really instantly became one of my favorites over, you know, the, the rest of the songs, um, aside from their singles, you know, mm-hmm. dance more anthem. Um, sure, yeah. just because of the reason I loved it so much is because I, you know, knew the background that, that Benji and Joel yeah. had growing up and, you know, how they, they really went through a rough time as teenagers and, you know, they worked, you know, their asses off getting so to hard, where they yeah. today. Um, so hearing him talk about, you know, this love that he's with now, it, you know, it, to me, it was just a great, like you've said, you know, multiple times, it's a great storytelling. It's just, to me, I enjoyed the story that he was telling yeah. about, well, this is my background, but this is her and we got together and it's working okay. I, I it's such a fun song the storytelling uh, you know and and just feeling like he's painting such a good picture but also like the rhymes feel really clever 
he wants to go to she wants to go to restaurants in Beverly Hills where people stare, but I don't care. Right. You know, a lot of really clever little things like that, that that make this song really fun. Yeah, I agree with that. So, Leo, what has Good Charlotte meant to you over the years and how has that changed? So they, to me, so when I, whenever I learned about them, um, basically the second time, I'll say. Yeah. uh, It was during a period of time that I was going through um, as a teenager, just a really rough time and not, you know, your teenage angsty type of thing. Um, Just some things that were kind of in my environment that I kind of wished weren't. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just a really difficult time growing up for me. they really just, uh, I mean, can't even explain it. They just brought me to a sense of um, understanding. Like they knew what I was feeling at that point in time. And now listening back, you know, to their older albums, you know, especially Young and Hopeless, um, oh, yeah. that one to me, you know, it's got some fun songs on there, but it also has, um, you know, that's share of anger as well. One oh, that yeah. really sticks with me is uh, moving on because mm-hmm. that was, oh, that was kind of my theme song throughout my teenage years into my adulthood. And listening back to that now, like it just brings a smile to my face. Cause I'm like, I did move on. I made it. You, you know, did. I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm an adult. I'm doing adult things. And you know, it's so so they they've I've stuck with them since I was young I will stick with them till no pun intended till the day that I die <laughs> um and I think if if anything my love for them has not really changed mm-hmm. it's matured love that it's matured with them and in in another good example of that too um cardiology came out in 2010 and yeah, one song that always stuck with me I'm sorry 10 years this year. Oh my God. Yeah. Golly, man. (laughs) Yep. Um, So when that one came out too, uh, one song that really stuck with me on that was Harlow's song because Mm, I loved one of my favorite things about that was hearing him sing about his daughter. Um, When my daughter was born and there was a night where she was just crying her head off. She was a few months old didn't want to eat, you know, had a clean diaper. So I couldn't figure out what it was. I was crying because I was frustrated. I just started immediately singing that song to her and it calmed her in an uh, instant. And so that so to sweet. me, that to me, has oh always my had God, that's so sweet. special. Yeah. So, so my love for them has not changed on, except for the fact that it's matured with them. I love that. That that's such a great story, and that's that's such a great example of you know how your love for them has matured just as you've grown as a person and had other life experiences. Right. Yeah. So, Leah, do you have any last words about something else about Good Charlotte or about yourself? Um, I just want to say that something else will always be um, just a song that I hold close to my heart. And I do know, um, I have heard or seen Benji on Twitter talk about the podcast. Yeah. Um, So I just want to say if, you know, Joel, Benji, Paul, Billy, or Dean, if any of you guys hear this, I just want you guys to know, I owe a lot to you for your music. And one of my favorite things about you guys 
is how humble you've stayed during mm-hmm. Completely. all the changes over the years. They have never strayed from who they were in the exactly. get-go. Even though they were frustrated because, like you said, they were always kind of in a niche. It's like, well, do we belong or do we not? Yeah. They always stay true to who they were. And that has always been yeah. my number one favorite thing about them. That's why I have loved it, them. And that's why I have exactly. respected them for so many years. Exactly. And and that's, and to wrap this up, but that's, you know, completely something that has meant a lot to me too, as like, it, in my own life, in so many ways, I feel like I've tried to be my own person. And I've always been my own person. And I'm kind of incapable of like, just fitting in to be accepted by other people, even like make my life easier. Mm-hmm. But there can definitely be a frustration within that. Um, and that that's something that I've really gravitated towards Good Charlotte, you know, because yeah, Leah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, where can people keep up with you on the internet? Um, you can follow me on Twitter, um, Leah underscore Renee 90. And uh, same for Instagram, Leah underscore uh, Renee 90. And um, just Leah Knight on Facebook if you are just at all interested. But that's really, those are the only three that I have. Perfect. Leah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to hear me and Leah talk about something else from Good Morning Revival. Last week, we talked about We Believe from the Chronicles of Life and Death. And next week, we'll be talking about a song from Cardiology. As a reminder, you can follow Generation GC at Generation GC Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also follow me, Molly, at M Huddleson on Twitter and Instagram. And make sure you're subscribed to the show on iTunes. Leave a review, rate it, and make sure to tell a friend about Generation GC. If you've got a friend that loves Good Charlotte, tell them about the show because word of mouth is awesome. Thank you all so much for tuning in.